It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here at Colorado Springs. I'm so excited that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in a study that we began a few weeks ago as we were learning to prepare in spiritual warfare. How do we put on the full armor of God? How do we assess how our enemy works in this world so that we can be better prepared by way of a boot camp through God's holy word so that we can do spiritual warfare with victory? And rather than fighting on our heels all the time, where we're always in a defensive posture, we then learn how our prayers can be powerful and effective. The the prayers of a righteous man that availeth much. And we learn how to pray and we learn what the armor is, how to wear it appropriately, and how to do battle in the spiritual places. So this is a hopefully a very encouraging study for you. And if you've missed the prior broadcast, please know that they are available to you at Cal. CalvaryFountain.com. Again, it's CalvaryFountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. And so we make all that available to you so that we can equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just get right into this here because we've been using the base verse of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, to really highlight this particular study of preparing for battle. Let me take you to Scripture now. We'll read together 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And here Paul is calling Timothy to wage a good warfare. Warfare. This is a tactical, noble campaign, not a one off, not a singular battle, but rather knowing that if we are in service to Jesus Christ, that there is a very real battle space, and it's often right up to our doorstep. We can't hide from it. We can't run from it. If you claim the name of Christ, the battlefield is real. It can often even be in places like our, our family dynamic, uh, relationships with our friends and neighbors and In all these spheres of your influence, we know that the battlefield is real, and every morning we have to rise to the occasion to put on the full armor of God. So to help us in this study, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, so good to have you back, my friend. Thank you, John. It's great to be back. I really enjoyed last week's show, and you know we were able to cover a couple of pieces of the armor. We were able to cover the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. I just found it interesting that Paul puts the belt of truth first, and you were you were telling us about what an important linchpin, really, piece of armor the belt was, and how right. it sort of held everything else together, yeah. and how you could virtually disarm somebody by removing the truth. That's right. And it's, it's important that we're protected, we protect ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we're protected from Satan's lies. You know, Jesus said that he is the truth. That's right. So Amen. we need to make sure that we focus on that and focus on him, and I think it was just very interesting that Paul put that first. Uh, I also thought it was really interesting to go back, and I read the just the the book of Ephesians, just to sort of give oh, uh, the the entire uh, full armor of God context. And wow, I would just encourage any of you to go back and do that. Every sentence is just pregnant with meaning. 
And mm. Paul just really, you know, once again, through the influence of the Holy Spirit, just really outdoes himself in Ephesians. There are <laughs> just so many great truths of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, you know, you'd almost think the Holy Spirit wrote it, right? I know, right? <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, well, we certainly like know the inspired. Apostle Paul is a pen of Almighty God. I love how he uses men and, and even the words of women to contribute to his holy word. Of course, Amen. it is a work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But you're right. I, I've often heard that, you know, Ephesians reminds us who we are yes. in Christ yes. Jesus. Yes. because so often we're, we're, we're convicted, as we even see in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 even, about that, that we were this way, but now we're new. We're right, brand right. new in Christ Jesus. We're no longer the old man or woman. And, and, and look what he has done in Ephesians. This demonstrates this power of what our marriage symbolizes, who we are as saints of the right. Most High God. And, and now, yes, put on the full armor right. as you do battle in the high places yeah. and, and, and all across this globe. Yeah, and as, as you and I had spoken about, that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Amen. Yeah, and that we just, when we accept him as our Savior, we become part of Christ. We become part of him. Even when uh, when you think about Jesus talking to, to Saul, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting me? Mm, very so personal. to persecute us is to persecute Jesus himself. We really Amen. become one with him when we accept him as our Savior. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and you know, as we learn now, I think, there's a maybe a false perception about the armor because you know I, quite frankly we don't have a, a culture that, that perhaps the cultural norm of rising and strapping on a, a literal physical armor each and every day so when we get to a section like Ephesians chapter 6 we can I maybe struggle to visualize if it weren't for films or various yeah, uh, stories right. from time to time. We, we just may not really understand the proper application of this. And we were able to cover a couple of them last week, yeah. but Dr. Ford, if you could, could you take us to Ephesians six and let's just read through it. Definitely. Here we have Ephesians six, 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Amen. And of course, as you mentioned, we just covered the belt of truth last week, and as we just had a little opportunity there to discuss how even the visual of Roman soldiers training that they would often leave that belt on and the as they wrestled and, right. and and trained they were trying to take that belt away from one another and the victor had the belt in hand and of course we know the enemy does the same thing that he tries to distort twist deceive manipulate in any way, even if he just gets us off the plumb line by a few degrees, he sees that as a victory. Right. So we always have to come back to the solid foundation of truth that is found in God's holy word. Of course, we, then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And, and in that, there's an insignia that's on that. It protects our heart. 
It gives us this righteousness that's imputed to us by Christ Jesus, not our righteousness, yeah. because that's filthy rags. But we see in Isaiah 59, 17, we're, we, you mentioned this last week, that it is called the armor of God, not, right. not our armor. Right. And after all, we see that in Isaiah 59, 17, the Lord himself wears the armor. He demonstrates total victory when he put this on. And therefore, as we're putting it on, we're really putting on him. Right. He is our atonement. It's like the door frames in Egypt with the blood that covered it and the, the death had no victory over them. And therefore, as we put on Christ, the fullness of Christ, we have total victory. And he demonstrated that with total victory over Satan, even against all temptations that Satan tried to throw at him. And now we look at having shod our feet with the gospel of peace. And and last week I hinted at this, that if you can even Google this, maybe you're driving down the road, so do that later. But if you do a visual search on this, you'll find that the type of footwear that they would use in combat it wasn't like a sandal. Uh, so often we see these films depicted with Roman soldiers and they have what look like a, a fancy sandal or some sort of a, you know, high, uh, you know, quality leather strewn sandal. Actually, they were more like a cleat. And so it was a kind of a hybrid of a sandal and a cleat because on the bottom were these gripping uh, tools that they put in place, either knots of leather or even uh, some kind of a stone or whatnot placed in there, even metal uh, that would give them traction as they would advance and push forward. And you imagine, as uh, Roman soldiers would do, and, and certainly we've seen this with the Spartans and other imagery of this, where they would put shield to shield together and even over the tops of their heads. And as that front line would push, you're you're talking about physical bodies pressing in against other physical bodies. So the cleat that they would dig deep into the earth and press forward gives us a great imagery in the spiritual realm of having shod our feet with the gospel of peace. There is a forward advancement as a messenger that's prepared to share the glad tidings of peace. So it's not a, a wrestling someone to the ground, but rather advancing with the cause of Christ before us. And so often, as I mentioned earlier, we have this posture of a defensive one, that when the enemy throws stones at us, shoots his fiery arrows at us, that we're simply just making some kind of defensive fortification to take it blow after blow. Well, having shot our, our feet with the gospel of peace is a forward advancement in fulfillment of the Great Commission, going into all the world with the gospel message. Yeah, it reminds me of what Jesus said about the gates of hell. So many times people forget that the gates of hell are defensive. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. That means the church is to be on the offensive. That's right. Yep. Always forward moving for the cause of Christ. And and often we have this hunker down mentality right. and that, that really does need to change. I think uh, that I've, I've often heard that if we're not in an evangelistic posture with the truth that we're a fossil, right. that we're, we're actually retracting right. and, and, yeah. and reducing in number and we're not doing as the body of Christ should do. And we know that for a body to stay healthy, it has to stay active. And same with the full body of Christ, active, forward advancing with the truth. This, the next piece that we look at then is the shield of faith. And the shield of faith, this one is what a powerful tool the Lord has given to us here. I mean, this verse teaches that our shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. In fact, once a person starts standing on the word of God, and we know that the attack intensifies, but victory over all the attacks of the enemy is possible. I think that sometimes we just feel like we're going to take some permissible blows in every single battle, 
Certainly, there is a, a d- discipline that grows out of that, that the Lord allows us to get stronger and tougher and uh, strengthened in our faith, not strengthened in our own resolve, but rather in, in knowing that He is a God who knows exactly what we need, how to strengthen us for the next battle. The refiner's fire is, is perfect, and as the potter who has us in his hands, we are his clay. He is going to shape us, and often through these battles, we are going to learn to depend on him in ways we haven't learned before, because so frequently in the Western church, we have a lot of resources at our fingertips, no matter how impoverished we may feel. I, in fact, I read an article the other day. It was a, it was a finance article. <laughs> Lots of fun. Um, it said that if you make $14,000 a year in the United States, you're making seven times more than the global average. Wow. So if you're even at minimum wage in Colorado, you're at almost 14 times the global average yeah. income. It's incredible, really, when you think of that. So even as Western-thinking Christians, we can often try to resolve all of our issues and then maybe ask God to bless something along the way. We, we already have a plan A, B, or C. We've already asked for help. We've already gone to the doctor. We haven't really implored God for total dependency like Israel in the wilderness. And I think that's why the shield of faith is so important to be skilled with. Yeah, it took me way too long in my walk with the Lord to realize that he is not my wingman. (laughs) (laughs) Listen up, Lord, here's what we're going to do. You know, here's what we're going to do today. It's like, no, that's not the relationship. That's right. That's right. If anything, I'm his wingman. Uh, And he's carrying us frequently. One set of footprints there. Posture, like, yeah, we've made these plans. So, you know, here, go ahead and empower us to, to, you know, fulfill these plans that we've made. Right. Yeah, I I think you make a great point too, that in just, you know, considering our culture and other cultures, and I think one thing that we need to be aware of is just our own cultural biases. Mm. Um, Even as we we look at our walk with the Lord and we look at the church, that sometimes we are just filled with certain cultural biases. And and some of those may have to do with the affluence, our, our lack of feeling the need to depend on others and sometimes even to depend on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's, that is true. And he tells us, I love these scriptures. I, you know, I always want to come back to scripture to strengthen our discussion. Right. But in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. I mean, I love this, that here he has given us the armor. He's given us the tools of victory. And he says that he causes us to always to triumph in Christ, that when we have put on Christ, when we're operating in the fullness of, of, of Christ's tools and resources that he has given to us, his holy word, a strong prayer life, a devotion to his cause and purposes, there is victory. Even if the temptations are high and it feels like the battle is waging greatly and the arrows are without right. end, it yeah. seems, I we have victory in Christ and we're commended for walking into the battlefield with the courage that he gave to Joshua. Be bold and courageous, he right. tells them. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 4-7, to in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit in genuine love, in the word of truth, and the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. So we are going into the battlefield 
knowing that these things may await us. And I love the fact that we have this incredible book of 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about the sufferings, the struggles are real. We dare not placate or belittle them in any way, but here he talks about these afflictions, these distresses, beatings and imprisonments, but yet we go into the battle place with weapons in both hands. We are not without the ability to have uh, to not see victory. Right. He wants us to taste that victory in him. Right. Like Paul says we are super conquerors. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, next up, we've got the helmet of salvation. And uh, that's not the end, because we have also the sword of the Spirit and, of course, the often forgotten piece of armor, which is prayer. Because we talk about the six, and then the seventh is kind of slid in there at the end, and often is overlooked. I've got a great uh, placard on my wall about the armor of God, and it highlights the six. And I'm like, what about the seventh? This piece called prayer, yeah. Um, So we've got the helmet of salvation. Now, I love this study of the helmet of salvation, because it's a constant reminder of the deliverance that God gives us, that he has already won the war, Satan is already defeated, and and we just haven't caught up to it yet, right? right? I mean, Isaiah 46.10 talks about that he already saw the end from the beginning. We're limited to this time-space continuum that we've talked about in the physics of heaven, but it's already a done, finished work. Um, So he's already defeated, him being Satan. Jesus is already victorious. He's already seated at the right hand of the Father. So when we go to him, we're going to the one who's already seen every action we're ever going to take before we've ever even thought them. So (laughs) glory be to God for the fact that he and he alone holds time in his hand and there's total victory. He says in Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so as we're putting on a helmet, we have to think of this now, it's this imagery is of salvation, total deliverance, eternal life in the divine environment with God, not just a physical environment that we interact with today, because that's what life is. Life is the ability to interact in your environment. That's why it's called eternal life. 50 times in the scriptures, because it's not an eternal existence. It's eternal dwelling, the quality of that existence forever and ever in the space where God is, to be with him, to see as he sees, to worship him forever and ever, that Jesus isn't a means to an end. He is salvation. He is eternal life. So now we are taking the truth that's wrapped around us, and Christ is that truth. He is also salvation that we put over our minds to remind us to whom we belong to. We're betrothed to him. He is the bridegroom. We've accepted his terms. We follow him, and we forsake this world in total devotion to Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we put on that truth and that reality upon our heads that protect our minds, There's also a chin strap that goes down around our jaw, and it also protects our speech. So here we're seeing that every thought is to be taken captive as he's renewing our minds, according to Romans 12, 2, and every thought being taken captive to that obedience of the helmet that we put on, which is him, and we see that in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 45, But we also see that now our tongue is also under the same jurisdiction of that helmet, if you will. That our thoughts, our mind, our allegiances to Christ, we've now strapped on that truth and reality. And then we are guarding what the mouth delivers, because with it, it is a powerful weapon 
I mean, we are told that in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. I mean, it can burn down a forest with what comes out of this mouth. And Ephesians 4.29 talks about controlling the tongue. That, you know, I used to have my children memorize that in sort of a paraphrased version that let no unclean words come out of your mouth, only words that are helpful and build others up according to their needs, is what we see in Ephesians 4.29. It's a great verse to memorize. For parents who want their children to memorize some scripture, go to that one, Ephesians 4.29, because it talks about that controlling of our tongue. And that's, this helmet then does everything of the neck up, right. right, of controlling our mouthpiece, controlling our thoughts, even as Philippians tells us of what we visually see, whatever we take into our ears and through our eyes, let it be blessing to the Lord, right? That only what is praiseworthy and brings him glory should enter into these, these chambers that enter into our mind, right? So all of it is being taken captive uh, by this helmet of salvation. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. Now, God didn't mean for us to fight a defensive battle, just to suit up and take blow after blow with the enemy striking at us. That's why he's given us this sword of the Spirit, his living word that's contained in the Bible. We had a little laugh about that of saying, well, who's who's really the author? Well, Paul's a pen, but it's the Holy Spirit who is bringing forth the word of God onto paper. And it doesn't matter if it's in English or Spanish, Greek, Hebrew, or Latin. It is all the written word of God, all perfect, infallible, and given to us to be sharper than a two-edged sword. And we read about that in 2 Timothy 3.16 and Hebrews 4.12. So it is the word of life. And, and it must we have to then, as disciples, we've got to be in the word. That's what he calls us to do. It's, it's like some reason that seems ever elusive to us. But if we're going to follow Christ, let us listen to his words. We're in the word, we're of the word. Right? I mean, let me remind us of that. Not that we're just in the world and not of the world. Right. We are in the word and of the word. Right. right? I mean, this is the seal that is upon us of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it should we should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us. John 6.63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the sword is only useful if we keep it sharp. Now, I remember when I was training for kendo, and learning to use different weapons of warfare. Now, I used a madu and a glaive, and some people are listening to that going, uh, what is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they're different types of warfare instruments, but what you learn rather quickly is that you could have an entire rack of different types of weapons that look very neat. You grab them, and then you try to go into the battle space, and what you find is that you could actually do more damage to yourself than to your enemy because you have no idea how to handle it. And the Word of God does that to us, too. Because if we haven't confessed our sin, if we haven't declared allegiance, confessed with our mouth, Lord Jesus, and repented of our sins, the Word of God is going to sometimes do more damage to our hearts first because we'll be convicted of that sin, we'll be broken down, sliced open so that the truth of the root of our sin is exposed so that the gospel can come through and sew us all back up and make us ready to handle that truth so that we can go out with the Lord's message and mission before us. And I Praise God for that. That It's going to hit us first, especially if we're dealing with hypocrisy, because, boy, we can sure say an awful lot and not live it. And then we grab the sword of truth, and we're going to act like we're going to go defeat the enemy, and he's going to laugh at us a bit, I I suspect a lot, um, if we're going out there in the illusion and putting on a masquerade, we're acting like we're haughty and and, and filled with uh, righteousness, and he knows what we're trying to hide. 
And so therefore we need to let the word sh- go sharp both ways, cut to the, the root of our issues and our bone and marrow so that we can use it properly to bring down strongholds, right? So it's not an easy w- weapon to wield and, and it needs to be handled carefully. And that's why we're instructed scripturally to rightly handle the word of truth. And so this is where we have to be in the word and of the word, right? We've got to constantly be disciples of it, learning it. There's wonderful daily Bibles out there, Dr. Ford. I don't know if you have a favorite or not, but I just saw that John MacArthur just released his daily word, um, a scriptural verse. You know, scripture was kind of broken out into days now. And uh, I know it's been a long time coming from him, but there's quite a few out there. And I certainly encourage every one of our listeners, be in the word every day. Even if you just give it 10 minutes, you will be strengthened and equipped. And then maybe your 10 minutes goes to 15 and then to 20 and you start, you you can't get enough of it. Something is always better than nothing. That's right. Amen. So we hope certainly that as you've been equipped this day and and with the, not only with the word of God, but an understanding now of the armor of God, we'd encourage you to go back to listen to next week uh, or last week's and the previous weeks and the entire series here get equipped. Share it with your friends and family alike. You can find this broadcast and all the others at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We're so grateful that you're being faithful and listening each and every week, and we look forward to sharing with you more next week. God bless you, my friends. Take care.